don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. What they see needs to match what they hear and understand about their story. We were joined by Toa Dunn, the head of Riot Music Group, which is, of course, owned by Riot Games, the company behind League of Legends. As such, this episode is slightly different as we're focusing on video games, esports, and the role of music in both of those. But as Toa pointed out, this holds a valuable lesson for brands hoping to create an emotional impact. Yes, Toa is a guru when it comes to video game music, but you'd be wrong for thinking that's just limited to sound tracks. The space has exploded in importance along with the gaming world at large and marketers stand to learn a thing or two as Eva's just mentioned. In this episode we discussed going to the top of the charts in China, working with Imagine Dragons on one of the biggest online games in the world and why Louis Vuitton has a dedicated League of Legends collection. Oh this is like LV but again they didn't feel like they were being sold or advertised to. It made the performance look better. All this and more coming up. How has music gone from playing a minor role in video games to becoming a major part of the gaming experience? Yeah, I think actually, I think music has always had a pretty major role to an extent, right? So with video games, there's many different genres, um, you know, types of games, and the role of music can be different. I think what's kind of different now is games have really been at the forefront of conversations, and especially with kind of the current, um, you know, environment, um, games are becoming even more popular. So I think that's bringing music also to the forefront as as well as like with the music industry looking for different opportunities and again with video games kind of being at the forefront right now i think that's just kind of also elevating music at the same extent so um, i think that's really what's going on currently and obviously you've you've got quite a uh well a very impressive and interesting career can you talk us through the timeline of events that led up to uh riot music groups formation and and just for context uh riot games obviously responsible for you know many titles uh, most notably league of legends of course and riot music group uh, sits within that yeah i mean it, it's been really a really interesting journey um i mean i started early 2013 um so this this was a much younger kind of League of Legends and Riot Games era. And um, really, I came in to really address or look at the opportunity for music. Uh, a few of us, you know, were a very small team at that time, um, was looking to like figure out what could music mean for us and for League of Legends and for our players. So we started off, you know, just kind of, hey, how can we amplify music, you know, potentially collaborate with artists and, you know, and whatnot to help kind of really just level up our music. And so we started with, you know, a, a single track working and collaborating with the likes of uh, Crystal Method for a song um, that was released with al- along with one of our champions. Um, and then we got into, I think 2013, 2014 is when we did our first music video. And again, this was to kind of accompany the release of Jinx. Um, and this was a, a very ambitious thing because back then, you know, everyone's kind of like, hey, you're a video game company, not really, you know, this music or entertainment company. Why would we spend so much time and resources to do a music video? Um, but that proved to be like very successful as far as like it resonated really well with our audience. You know, they just loved seeing their favorite champion or this new character come to life um, in, in a different way. And so that also led into, you know, esports for us was starting to grow. Um, we were looking for ways to kind of build up the opening ceremony. So again, just leveling up those performances. And um, what's great with something like esports, you know, it was kind of like our Super Bowl. Um, so we were always looking to kind of activate on that, build excitement and hype and just an overall great experience. 
Um, and so that's led all the way to like, you know, the likes of 2019, where, you know, we're working with holograms or different digital attack, but it's for a live opening ceremony performance. And it has multiple musical um, kind of performances within it. Um, so we, we've really leaned into it. And just our initiative and our intent with music has also grown through time. Mm, I mean, Terry, obviously, you've been in the industry now for a little while, obviously, um, and you'll have seen many changes in that time. Now, sort of where we're at, how integral would you say music is to the video game industry um, and what's changed since you first started? Yeah, I think, I mean, I could definitely talk probably forever uh, on this topic. Um, <laughs> Please just, do. <laughs> I mean, I think just when it comes down to music, when you really understand the, the impact of music, right, its ability to connect with people. Um, right, both emotionally and what it does, it could it can be a form of you know just building what the the soundscape and experience of what you're visually seeing or playing or whatever it is. But it can also help drive emotion and potentially an emotional uh, journey, right? Kind of like a narrative arc. Music is great at doing that, and so with video games you actually have all these different kind of mediums and opportunities within video games to tell story or, you know, drive competition, feelings and emotions. Um, and so music's just super in integral for, for video games. And so everything from how you play it, and again, right, there's multiple genres, right? If it's a very story-driven video game, right, and you want this emotional arc, like music's great at that. Um, if you want to get people hyped and excited for something that's just about to happen within, you know, the an arena of competition, right? Again, hype music is, is great for that. So um, I think especially now as video games, you know, you have all, almost like multiple generations now that have grown up with video games. You know, the earlier generation where they, you know, they got the beginnings of it to now this youth, the youth that has grown up in an era where video games was always a part of their life. Would you say, it? well, do you think it's fair to say that because music has become such a massive part of the storytelling in video games, that it's also become a really key factor in how you market those games? Yes. And, and it should be, right? Like it's as... Like if you look for what, what, you know, just the power of music, the impact it has, it, it should be. If you want to tell good stories, if you want to connect with players, um, music is just a big amplifier of that. And I, th I think a lot of people have caught on to that. So, yes. And Toa as well. I mean, for people like myself, I mean, I remember obviously 8-bit sort of video game music and then it becomes more sort of expansive oh, yeah. and more interesting. And, you know, in the current day that we're talking about, I'm just wondering if you can shed some light on the context of the, you know, for people who aren't aware, the scale. Because we've seen some of the videos that you sent over and it, these are, you know, major immersive performances with like computer-generated figures who have become sort of artists in their own right now. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> that's what's great about kind of just video games there's there's this wide spectrum of just like aesthetics right there 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 are still games that look very kind of you know 8-bit 16-bit that are great games and are great experiences right because um what makes a great game isn't always about the fidelity of the graphics like there's gameplay mechanics and stuff like that that play into it and then how you just build the overall experience which can also include music so you can have Great music for those type of games. You can also have all the way on the other side, super polished, highly produced games or experiences that has music that's up to par with that, right? And so it's really just like, what is your thing that you love and connect to? It's almost kind of like genres, right? What's the genre of music that you like um, and how does that connect to you? And so with the video games, it's so expansive. And I think that's what's great is like um, 
you start to break those walls of what genres even really mean. You know, it just becomes like, what are those types of games? What was, what are those experiences that are, you know, that you care about that meant something to you? And how does music become a part of that? And seemingly, would you say that the rise of the music and video games that we're seeing now, is that correlated with the rise of esports and these big arena events that we're seeing and the, the culture of gaming, you know, now that it's become online and so much more than just uh, disk drives and consoles? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it plays a part, right? Like, I think because with esports, the rise of esports, it's, a, it's another great platform for music to participate in the overall experience for gamers, right? So with video games itself, like, it's, it's almost bigger than what what you actually say when you say video games, right? It's not just the music that's within the video game. Like video games is, you know, there are trailers, these really even big cinematic trailers. You know, we've done cinematic trailers for League of Legends where the game League of Legends, we don't have a lot of opportunity in the game to tell great and in-depth stories. But then we can do these cinematic trailers, you know, and and have songs and music that that lives there. And then you have esports, right? And so esports right now is really thriving, and it's just that you know that competitive nature. People, viewers, or fans wanting to watch the top tier competitors play against each other. And so that's a great platform. And you look at like you know again, I always reference something like you know the NFL and the Super Bowl, right? Is like you get to the Super Bowl, you have the top two teams, and you know people from around the world tune in to watch that. And there's this great thing called the halftime show that people really, I mean, some people show up just to watch that, right? Because it's such a spectacle and, and esports potentially provides that platform to this specific audience. You mentioned briefly before that as well about, uh, you know, the kind of experience and the memorable uh, elements of people having games and, and music playing a big part of that. Like, you know, I know you guys make a lot of original music and a lot of original content. Does that sort of feed into your thinking, as you mentioned briefly, like the emotions that you you tap into yeah like so i mean you know our approach has been very like again we're very passionate about music so we really want to build that specific connection right like so as an example if we have a, a new champion you know we call our characters champions in our game coming out and we really get to know in development as the champions being developed who this champion is what do they stand for you know even from where are they from from our world is it the cold icy north right um or, or the freljord or you know is it a different part of runeterra and so all of that impacts our understanding and impression of who this champion is and potentially um, also what their soundtrack what their theme and what the music behind them potentially sounds like and so for us a lot of times our approach is we probably know it best, so we probably have to create it, right? Like it, it can be a, from a supervision standpoint, it could be pretty difficult to hopefully find that one song that hits specifically for this champion um, versus why not let's build it from within to be able to write and create that music. Because again, when you deliver this to the players, all of that needs to fit really well, right? Like what they see needs to match what they hear and understand about their story. And that's super important for us from a creative perspective. And so that's often why we, you know, we built a full in-house music production team from, you know, songwriting all the way to recording and production and actually marketing the songs. Um, it's, it's been that important for us. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I know just sort of going back to your point on the fact that um, the relationship between music and video games is more than just the music you hear in the game. And obviously now you have chance to put them uh, in other places like trailers, but also in these massive performances that you guys have been putting out there. I know we've had the pleasure of uh, watching some of the stuff you've sent over, but for those listening, could you tell us a bit more about some of the biggest performances that you've worked on? Um, you know, what numbers have you seen and the impact it's had? Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
some of the big like we every year, like I said, we have our world championships, right? So we have a big season um, of our uh, pro players and teams around the world playing, and it all leads it to the end to our world uh, finals, basically, right? So we have this world championships, which is actually currently going on right now for this year in 2020. Um, but at the end, there's the last two teams to duel out, and, and our world finals usually takes place in a big arena where you know, and then there's millions that tune in to watch this, and so you know that's our Super Bowl. Um, and so we every year do a big opening ceremony performance. And so to really kick off just this whole experience of, you know, the journey to world finals, starting with the playoffs, um, every year we do what we call a world anthem. And that is like we we create a song that's very specific to that competition. Um, you know, we really dive into like what is the creative for that for that competition and we build this kind of big anthem and, and we've become kind of known for this big anthem we started back in 2014 where you know we collaborated with imagine dragons to do the song called warriors um which was very successful on their album as well um, but that song was really crafted and meant for um for that uh, world's anthem in 2014 and so we've you know collaborated with many different artists sometimes we've really done it ourselves um it just really depends what we're trying to do and um you know those music videos when we launch them, I mean, they, you know, they get millions of views, of course, but then it all really comes together when, you know, for example, we do this big song called Warriors with Anthem, um, this anthem called Warriors and there's a music video and then they perform live right at that opening ceremony for the world finals. So that's where everything comes together. That's when like emotions are at the peak, right? And you see and hear the song that that's like really been resonating throughout this journey. And that's like, again, really important to us. And so, in that, you know, that platform, you know, we had, I think like in 2018, you know, I think it was like 99.6 million viewers um, who tuned in and watched that. And so for us, we had that anthem. But again, also in, in 2018, we also kicked off this kind of uh, this virtual group called KDA, right? So it's taking characters from our game reimagining them and kind of as modern day pop stars, right? So taking, you know, a girl by the name of Akali, who's kind of, you know, like a ninja basically, and reimagining her as kind of a modern kind of like hip hop swag. And she's the rapper of this girl pop group, um, right? And so just kind of having four members and then turning them into this modern pop group and then again, crafting, creating a song specifically for them and having them debut in front of basically like 99.6 million people, right? And then dropping their song on DSPs, you know, on Spotify and whatnot, as well as dropping their music video on YouTube and everywhere. And so that was a great way to debut them. And, you know, we saw them chart, right? They hit number one on Billboard. They had over 100 million views on, um, on the music video in the first four weeks. I think it's like 300 and, I don't know, like 60 million now. Um, and so, you know, 2019, we did a hip hop group. Um, and then, you know, this year we're kind of on our journey. We just had our anthem drop, I think about a week ago called Takeover. Um, and again, we feature and work with different artists, some of them really well known and some of them, you know, might be new and being introduced to a big audience. And so that to us is like really cool because it's, it's really about finding the right artists to do these songs and seeing some of these numbers actually just been, uh, I think, a really cool perspective of like understanding the impact that our fans can have or have yeah definitely it must be so exciting to see the opportunities that can come up from like creating a song like that i know you mentioned warriors and i'm glad you uh named up spotify there because we we're going to ask like how i guess you've seen music from video games and these songs that you create crossing over now into the mainstream so things like streaming charts and even social content um when you know as you said it's been designed just for the game yeah it's it's really interesting right so because i think we're we've started uh kind of straddle and start to come into like i think there are songs 
types of songs and music that do really well in your kind of more traditional sense of like a song for like radio play and Spotify do were successful. Those are like songs and singles and albums, right? And then you have kind of like video game music, which may, I think the way it's engaged with is, is slightly different, right? Um, and I think what you see is like kind of engagement over time. Um, and I think when you look at those numbers, you see like there are, there's music that will be listened to for you know, decades potentially, right? Because of the, the games that they were a part of and those people. And then, but we get into some of these really big high impact songs like our world anthems, uh, world's anthems, as well as kind of our, you know, virtual artists. And those kind of uh, get into the spectrum of kind of like real world artists, right? So those are the ones that we are seeing hit like, you know, Billboard and Apple charts. And <clears throat> what's really interesting too is the, just the global nature of our game and our audience. You know, it's not just Spotify, but it's QQ Music, right? Or Melon, right? Which would be in Korea. So we're seeing this kind of globally uh, to an extent. And I think that's where it gets really interesting of how you can have, you know, our audience is just, it's just very global. And so it allows, you know, artists to be potentially introduced to new audiences, new regions or countries that maybe they don't usually have that reach into. Mm, And correct me if I'm wrong, but does it work the other way as well? So maybe someone who wasn't familiar with the game to start, hears the song, loves the song, wonders where it came from and ends up you know, being fed back into your original audience. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite conversations is like, or sometimes I hear from, I think it's, I was talking with someone I'd, I was just kind of chatting with, just kind of about music and creative in general. And what's funny is uh, this person was talking about that they only knew of League of Legends because their little brother played it. That's all they knew about it. It was this game that, you know, their brother played a ton and they're just like, okay, you know, my brother plays video games. And then came this song and it was KDA specifically. And she was just like, I came across a song and she was just like, this song's a banger. And my brother came and was just like, have you heard this song? She was like, oh, you know about this? And he's like, she's like, he said, yeah, this is from League of Legends. And she was like, wait, what? And it was really interesting that, you know, it kind of connected them in a way, right, where they had a common topic to talk about and something to love that, you know, it's it for her specifically, it's not that she now plays League. There are some people who I've seen, you know, People who's like, oh, you know, we'll try it or maybe it does introduce them to it. But it's just we've kind of transitioned into the space where, yeah, we're getting kind of some awareness outside our typical player base. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask about Atto, actually, because, um, you know, sometimes and I can imagine a gaming audience with quite a discerning taste. And uh, sometimes in music, I guess, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, hardship of new artists is if you're not very well known, you're not a massive star in that moment. Does it does it sort of work the same as the music industry or can you, you know, get people excited about new artists quite easily just on the strength of, you know, the music as you're putting out, as, as you said in that analogy? Yeah, I think it's really it's always about context to me, right? Like. If you just say like, "Hey, listen to this artist," like it, that's a that's a tough sell, <laughs> right? Um, but in the context, right? Like you know, for I think that's why for us it it doesn't always like the most important thing isn't always like how relevant or how you know famous or popular an artist is for us to work with them, because the context is the creative for us. What's the story or what's the creative that we're really doing? What is this song about? And is that you know is that vocalist, that singer or artist? are they the right fit for this, right? Can they perform in a way that evokes what we're trying to get out of that? And because that song is meant for something, right? Whether it's our world championships, right? Which has millions of fans um, that are all about that emotion and want to be there for the competition and want to enjoy an experience and watch it. And all of that context is like there for our audience and players. So if that, if that artist is a part of that, what we find is like, they just bear hug them, right? Because 
all of a sudden they're hearing, and you know, even if it is a big artist like Imagine Dragons, right? Like if they're singing their heart out, and it's this song that connects them to that moment of esports, like 2014, like they just bear hug them. They're just like, oh, they become part of that moment for them. And I think that to us is like the the goal of it. That's really, really interesting. And I can imagine, um, I can imagine there's a lot of artists who maybe aren't from, you know, as we've spoken about, from a traditional gaming background who are seeing the success of, uh, you know, what you're talking about and thinking that there's a clear crossover there, I suppose. Have you, have you had situations like that? You mentioned Imagine Dragons, but, you know, maybe in, does that, does that often happen? And is, is it, would you say a sort of area that, more uh, record labels are looking out outside of right games music yeah i mean right so there's you know video games is really kind of at the top of the table right now being discussed and it's an interesting opportunity space and if anything that's kind of really what i'm uh, really trying to help kind of the the industry our partners and 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 what understand is kind of the overall opportunity space it's pretty big right um but it's also very unique to an extent of like, and I can only really speak for kind of us, is um, it's very special for us, right? And there's this kind of, I think there's this underlying theme of kind of authenticity, right? Like it has to be authentic for the audience, right? Like if you just take a big name that just happens to be famous and just throw them in front of them, you know, the audience is probably going to ask why if there's no context, if there's nothing that they're truly connected to. And you know, you, you see that in places, right? And, and not even just in video games, the esports, right? Like you can say there's there's been executions that weren't great, right? Where you just, you know, you kind of draw a diagram of like, okay, this audience likes this and this this artist comes from this and you just throw them there and then for some reason it doesn't work, right? Um, and it, it comes down to kind of that factor of authenticity. And I think that's something that always needs to be kind of looked at and understood before really executing on it. Because I think that's something... Whether my team, no, I, I think my team realizes it. I know it's a topic that we always bring up, but it's, it's, there's an, a natural intuition of authenticity because for us, we've been a part of League. We've been playing League. We've been fans of League for so long, like our team. And so I think there's some natural intuition in that. And we hold ourselves to kind of that bar of like, if this doesn't feel right, if it doesn't seem like a good fit, even from us, like we just won't do it. I feel like that's a good lesson for authenticity and oh, also the, the sort of gut instinct element as well. I wanted to ask, I know earlier you mentioned that sort of the music in video games acts as almost like a soundscape to what you're seeing happen visually on screen and sort of adds another layer to the narrative in that sense. I know a lot of our listeners will be interested in how they can apply that thinking um, to creating their own video content on social where you know where once sound off was the normal now people are using tracks uh, whether they've made it themselves or it's a popular sound on platforms like tiktok um and i guess just wondering what lessons or tips you would have to brands on what to take into account um to sort of sync sounds with that visual and how to make your content stand out how to capture attention by doing this and how to add to um, the story that you're trying to tell yeah right so i mean that's a great it, it, it's kind of all of the above that you mentioned right like i think it's to really to make great content, all of those things need to work together, right? So if you're if you're creating music for a specific thing, it's like what it like you just have to really dive into like what that thing is. Like, you know, if you're you're painting a highly fantastical world, for example, again, I'm just thinking from an environment, right? Like what does that world sound like? You know, I, I don't want to get too nerdy from like, there's almost kind of like, no, a, do a it. Sound, out. <laughs> there's kind of like a, a sound design element, right? Like it's what does, in what you're seeing, like, you know, if you're in a dark basement, right, you kind of get an understanding of like how things potentially could echo and what a, what a voice sounds like just literally by seeing it, even if you're not like an audio designer or not like 
people have inherent experiences of like, oh, I'm in a dark, dank, hard room because of, you know, there's a lot of echo. I clap and I hear it five times, right? Or something like that. And so it's it's all those things that come natural that then you start thinking about other things. I don't know where in time you are. There's just all these aspects of creative to think about. And almost we actually think about this even from a music standpoint is like at the same time we're creating the music, like our guys are also sound designing to an extent to understand. And I think that's what resonates. I think that's part of our sound. Like, so when you listen to some of those songs, like listen to true damage, like I think in the first 15 seconds, there's, there's an amount of sound design in there that really paints the picture of this, just kind of this urban modern feel um, just intuitively. And um, I think that's like a, a step deeper into music production is pulling in kind of that sound design and, and again, it's just really to help paint that picture, right? Like a picture is worth a thousand words. Like you can describe something with a word and you get it, but you know, you use a picture and that's like a thousand words, right? You get a better understanding of what it is, but you throw music onto that and... It's like 50,000 words. <laughs> yeah. You get an even deeper understanding, right? And I think that's, that's, that's the magic of it. And so I know that's kind of a broad statement or like a broad way of putting it for like, you know, different, but again, it's like, if you're, whether it's your brand looking to sync, it's like, you know, if you have music and you're trying to find sync opportunities, like it, if you want to be most successful in it, I think it's like, you got to understand what you're trying to get the sync for, right? Like, what is that piece you're trying to sync it to? Does your creative match that? You know, cause that's, that's actually the hardest thing is like, if you already have something pre-made, it's already not made for it. <clears throat> doesn't mean it can't work, but like it, the more you understand how it works, the better, like, you know, when that person gets it and, and they put, pop it in and they're looking at their visuals and they're listening to your song that you're suggesting for a sync. And if it just naturally makes sense, you're more likely to get that, right? No, definitely. Our um, our head of video, actually, always, whenever he's making a video, he's been given the storyboard. He knows what he has to say, but he chooses the track that he's going to use before he does anything else. Because without that, he said he doesn't know how it's going to go. And it, it really does set the whole tone. I think you're 100% right there. So, I mean, from a, from a practical uh, point of view and, and just to sort of nerd out about music here for a second, I mean, we have a lot more people having to, uh, I'd say, create original sounds just because, as we all know, there are many uh, copyright issues around using licensed music and it can be expensive in, in, in cases. But creating your own uh, music, you know, we just spoke about sound design. Is it the case that the sound design then therefore comes before the lyrics? Do the lyrics come first? Does it does it depend for you guys? It's, uh... It can it can depend, and I would say, you know, because we have an in-house, we have five or six in-house composers, right? So, full time working at right, and so everyone has kind of their own creative process. Um, but not only that, it also depends like what you're given, right? To an extent, if you have to make something for for you know make music for something, you know, sometimes you're given drawings, sometimes you're given a bunch of words that are a concept, um, and so it can really depend. I've I've, I've I've seen where, like, you know, for example, some of them actually do sound design at first, right? They're just like, I'm just trying to get that vibe, right? So it's not a whole lot of musical expression yet or performance. It's just vibe. So there's some guys that will start with vibe. There's some people that will literally start with chords, right? They're, they're, and um, some of them, I think with our guys, um, you, you could start with lyrics, but I don't think we tend to start with lyrics. Not all of our uh, music requires lyrics. It's only very specific, like kind of songs that require lyrics. Um, but it, it, it can really start from anywhere. I know that's not really getting answering, answering your question of what's the best way, but I actually don't think there's, there's the best way to start. It just really depends on, on the, on the project and what you have. Yeah. Of course, of course. And, and uh, for a second, I want to tap more into emotion because we always say as marketers, you know, 
you need to evoke an emotional response. And we say it in a way that it sounds like it's almost a very easy thing to do. Um, I know you touched on the emotion briefly, but if you could just sort of, I wonder if you could, you know, really dive into, so you've got this emotion in your head, you know, what are the ways that you even begin to kind of manifest that into a sound and how it will land? Yeah, I actually really like this topic, right? So I think, again, it's, it's, this belief around how music is a, is a key driver with emotion, right? Like, again, like you could just listen to a sample of, of sound or music and get a very good understanding of how you should feel, right? I mean, music's very much known for making you feel a certain way watching a movie, right? If you watch that same movie without the music, like you almost don't know how to feel. It's really weird. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> tried that or listened to some or watched some of those movies where they've actually removed the music. And it's just, it's just awkward because you don't realize, like, imagine you know, like you almost know to be scared before because you feel the tension in the music build up, right? Those strings and you're pretty much getting anxiety ready for the thing to pop out and you're yeah. expecting it to happen, right? And so just with understanding kind of that with music, um, emotion, like to me, what's very fascinating is like, you know, there's there's kind of many different layers to it. There's, I think the most successful things are not only do they create motion, right? But to me, what's very interesting is kind of the is emotional movement, right? So, you know, it's it's how do you go from like, you know, feeling, you know, happy to sad, right? Like I imagine it's like, you know, a story that starts out and it's, you know, pretty light and happy. And then it kind of starts to take a turn and you experience it getting darker. And that's like, oh, it's it's getting dark. There's like a emotional movement there, right? And then and then even deeper is where, you know, oh, but then things kind of turn up. And then all of a sudden it goes really dark on you. Like those are the jerkers, right? Right. That take you through this emotional journey. You walk out of the movie or whatever ex experience it is, just kind of like exhausted to an extent where you're just like, man, that's, that was tough. Cause you know, it just emotionally moves you. And I think those are great. Like as much as it's exhausting, like it's that emotional movement and experience that like stays with you, right? Like there's a reason why you still feel that movie when you're trying to go to bed, right? Um, it, it, it's, it's understanding that kind of impact and how you can use that to create the emotional journey that you want, you know, like, like with sports, if you want to get people excited and you know when you want them to be at the pinnacle of excitement, like how do you tell those stories? How do you take them through an emotional journey um, so that they get that? So when they, you know, at the end, they're like, wow, that whole tournament was amazing, right? The ups and the downs, who won, who lost, and at the end, holy cow, right? Like all of that. And of course you can't dictate who wins and, and that stuff, but like there's a reason why when the underdog makes it and wins, right? There's a reason why people remember that, you know, and stuff like that. So that to me is like super fascinating. So as, as you know, whether as marketers or, you know, whatever it is or creators, it's just understanding like, how can you create emotion and then how can you potentially create an emotional journey? Because that's kind of the, the next level thing. No, you're so right. And I think, you know, what you were saying about um, music, even in films, I can, you can always tell, can't you, when something bad's about to happen in a film because the music changes. And I think to sort of use that as a tool in any content that you make is like super powerful. And you talk about like the difference between esports and different games. I mean, do particular genres work better for different types of games? Is there... Is there a type of music you'll lean on, say, if you know what kind of um, environment it is or what kind of game it is? Are you like, okay, pop punk will work really well for that, or maybe we'll go on like a classical movie score? Yeah, I mean, it's we tend to not like think of like genres specifically, but I think there's like there's a general understanding, right? Like if you're 
like when you say like when you're building a world that's kind of cyberpunk, there's a kind of an understanding from folks of potentially what that sounds like. It kind of pulls you into genres to an extent, right? So there's there's a bit of familiarity, um, but there's also the potential of that juxtaposition, right? Of where you see something, but you hear something that doesn't quite match, but it's cool, right? I think some an, some animes have done that, right? Um, in a really interesting way where if you're not used, used to hearing kind of that like jazz and hip hop to kind of, you know, I think like, uh, you know, some of the, well, I won't go too deep into those, but I, I think those are kind of the opportunities. It just depends what you're creatively trying to do. But um, what's very interesting, again, with video games is like there's so many different types of games, type of genres, again. So any type of music can definitely find its place. Um, and again, that's, that's, that's about like, if you, you know, if you're a, a pop punk producer band or, you know, that's what you represent in your catalog, then there are definitely games out there that definitely, that really appeal to that. And it's about identifying those, I think. Yeah, definitely. As well, Toa, a question I've got for you in, in a, in a world where it's not a new thing, brands have always, uh, sought out artists and wanted to work with artists. And a big part of that is, you know, authenticity, like you said, and artist integrity. What sort of advice, you know, being on that side of the room, what, what advice do you have uh, for brands and marketers who want to approach artists and work with them in a way that feels authentic without undermining their artistic integrity. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is kind of the kind of upfront research and, and relationship building, right? Like it in, in the best scenarios, um, whatever brand you represent is something that that artist cares about, right? And, and of course, I'm sure marketers and brands always, always hear that, right? But it's it's very true, right? Like you're, we even look at it like, you know, as, you know, a video game company making music for a game and around a game and then talking to an artist, right? I think for many, especially, you know, back in, you know, prior to COVID and everything, a lot of artists often scratch their heads, even labels, right? They're like, okay, video games, like what, like they're thinking just video game music and they're thinking, you know, you know, eight bit, 16 bit, you know, boops and beeps type thing. And how does that relate to that, them and their artists? Most of them kind of shrugged and scratched their head, right? And it was a lot of our job was showing them our world, right? It was showing them like, hey, this is what our video game, and even to an extent, I was like, yeah, this is what our video game looks like. And our video game is kind of this top down. It isn't this like very, you know, I would say like third person or first person. It was a, it's just a top down. You're seeing characters smash out with different abilities and whatnot. But it was about showing them even deeper of like what this game meant to our players, right? Who these champions and characters were and what they meant to them and the stories and our world that we were building. And then showing them like how they showed up to this competition, this world finals and, you know, getting the player or the artist to understand like what this was about for them, right? That meaning. And, you know, for some of those artists, they could reflect on like, hey, this is, I understand this because of how I identify my fans, right? Like my fans look to to me as an artist and a way to connect. And that's what we were doing for our players. And when we found those artists that got that, and, you know, that's where the magic would start to happen, right? And, and I think that's important. So if you want to get just the best results there, it's got to be a relationship. There has to be kind of that authenticity there. And you just, you just get a better result. And I think it's like 10x. It takes more work up front, but I, I still think it's 10x. There's a reason why, like, I mean, I don't want to harp on like the Imagine Dragons guys, but like it was such a good natural relationship like we actually knew the guys before because they played league of legends and we played with them and we built up that 
relationship with them to the fact of when we decided to do the world's anthem with them in 2014, we were concerned about like, well, how do we how do we make it feel like, how do we let players know the authenticity around this, right? Because it could come off as like, oh, you know, we spent, you know, hundreds of thousands or million dollars or whatever it would be, right, to have them show up and perform their song, right, which could feel bad, potentially, maybe. I don't know. They're like, who's Madden Dragons and why? Because, you know, they were the radioactive guys. They were big, but people wouldn't know why to care about them. And it was funny. It's like, we were concerned that like, oh, how do we let them know that like, Imagine Dragons is kind of like them. Like they play league, they love league, they love the competition. And, you know, it was actually the guys that came up with the idea like, should we just show ourselves streaming and playing the game? And we're like, that's actually cool. And this is way before we announced anything. And they were just, you know, kind of showing up. And, and what happened is when we kind of, hey, we're doing this song, here's a song, Imagine Dragons. Some people are like, whoa, Imagine Dragons, why are they doing this with league? And people came in like, dude, they played League of Legends and they were instantly bear hugged yeah because it makes it easy for people to care when you can see that they're like genuine fans of the game and have a genuine interest and i think like well that's probably where a lot of brands might struggle because it's going to be rare for there to already be that existing you know connection there so i think you're right definitely just making sure you understand the fans and their audience and what they care about because no one wants to be the brand that just butts in and decides to sponsor it but i guess with with that in mind Tara, i wanted to ask you um, about in-game music events and the opportunities for advertisers and brands there. Um, what do you think the future looks like in terms of these in-game music performances? Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it depends on the, the game and the experience, right? Like um, some games uh, provide a really great, right? Like what you're seeing with Fortnite, like it's such a great platform and experience because you're there in kind of this, you know, third first person um, view that gives you just like a really cool perspective of a performance happening, right? So I think I think what they've done with Travis Scott and, and Marshmallow before, as well as the other artists and, and, and the brands that they've worked with, I, I think are awesome. And I think we're just kind of starting to see really the the presence and impact music can have in and around these games right like you you know we've been growing and scaling kind of what we've been doing but even what we're doing is is different than what fortnite like fortnite's been focused kind of on those in-game actually in the game experiences and those been awesome and i think you're going to see just more and more i mean this is what i love about kind of the you know game development and just tech development all together right it's very iterative and so it's always about okay cool how can we improve and you know that's why each thing that they come out with is like another step into bigger and better and that's a really awesome space because you know in the, the physical world um there are limited limitations right to what we can physically do you can only hang so many super heavy things from the ceiling of an arena before the arena is just like we can't take any more weight but you don't have that you don't have that in the digital world you could put whatever you want you're like the sky's the limit to an extent. And that's what's really fascinating about this kind of digital. I just think of it as like digital experiences, right? There's in-game. There are also, you know, you look at uh, if you saw like The weekend and what they did with Wave VR um, on TikTok, right? Like that's not actually in the game. If you look at it, it's, it's basically like game development, right? There, There's tech and game development that's really leading the way of kind of production of these digital experiences, right? Like we've done holograms and, and AR and all this stuff. And so I think you're going to see this kind of digital renaissance, if you want to say, um, across many different industries. But I think music has really been attuned because they've been really focused for so long on um, physical touring and, and, and a, a lot of those things that unfortunately with this current environment in the world, those just got erased for a while, right? They said, hey, that can happen. And it forced this digital renaissance, right? Hey, what can I do if I can't, you know, fill an arena? And that's where you saw 
you know, the Fortnite's the way through. I mean, for some of us, like Fortnite and ourselves, like we've actually been been doing this prior. And if anything, COVID just pointed all things to like everyone looked at us and saw us a little bit more. Um, and so now there's just like a lot of opportunity space. And so, I mean, I'm excited about this time because I, I love seeing cool stuff. This is, this is what I'm about. I love it. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about it. No, definitely. I think it's really cool. You're right. The stuff that people have been able to do in terms of like, like you said, adding whatever you want basically into this environment um, at a time when, you know, live music isn't happening. But I mean, one thing I do want to know is because obviously gaming is such an intimate space. And like you said, it has such emotional ties to people because it's based on their childhoods and where they spend time with their friends. Is this somewhere that, you know, gamers are okay with brands entering? You know, are they, are they happy for brands to come into this space? How would they prefer they do it? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's how you do it. It's actually very key, right? Like I'd say, um, and, and it's also understanding what, what people are used to and familiar with. And, you know, if you come and just totally disrupt and change that, it could potentially be bad. Right. And an example I'll use is like, people don't like watching ads, right? Like, you know, you, you go on YouTube and you get an ad and you're just like, Oh, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. Right. Um, but to an extent, like, I think it's, it's, it's been normalized. I remember when there were no ads on YouTube, no ads. And when they first put ads who like everybody was like, this is terrible right? This is terrible, right? But over time, that's become, and I'm not saying like you can just slow, like it's, it's really just about finding the right way to do it. Um, and I think there's like, there's ads, but then there's like this, you know, I, I call it, uh, I don't know if it's like in ter- uh, a term, but like a five head move. And it's, it's just making fun of like, you know, every, you know, you have a forehead and you have a big brain if you have a five head, but the, the, the five head move is like, imagine getting a brand or something that people care about into that space where they don't feel like they're advertised to. That to me is exciting, right? Because again, that's where you get to like, well, oh, if people don't feel like they're advertised to or they're being sold to, and this is probably like the ultimate marketer's dream, right? And brand's dream is like, is like they don't know, you know, but it's like you've embraced that experience in a way where you're adding value, right? It's less of, I think of just like pure ads, and, and ads by no means are bad, right? They're definitely a part of, you know, different experiences that are needed to kind of, you know, keep for funding and all that stuff. They're probably required everything from television to, you know, even current platforms and, and digital platforms. But um, in general, as humans, people don't like to be being sold something just doesn't always feel great, right? There's a resistance to that. But if you can find a way that like, you're adding value versus potentially quote unquote taking value from them, right? If they feel like, oh man, like this makes whatever it is that I'm experiencing better. That's the five head to me because then it's more valuable than an ad. It's, and I think those are the things I'm excited about is finding creative ways to integrate better. Like that to me is where you get, I think the word that is meant to be partnerships, that's where you get that type of stuff, right? Where it's like, oh, it's not just a transaction. Like this is a partnership. This is a collaboration. And you you look for those ways of deep integration. Um, and that's something that we've we've tried our best to hold ourselves to as well. Because there's, for the longest time, League of Legends didn't have ads or some real sponsors. Because we were in there like, hey, we understand as kind of, you know, putting ourselves in the lens of players. Like, you know, being sold stuff just doesn't feel good. And, you know, just slapping the logo here in the game or around the game just didn't feel great. And so we're like, we want to find that way, the, the, the ones who want to partner with us to integrate and to, to create an ad value for our players and view, viewers. That's kind of our, our point. Yeah. So it's not just like shoving something that you already have, like an ad that you already run, but it, actually creating something new specifically 
for that place. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, and, and maybe an example is, and um, also to, you know give props to kind of our team partnership and stuff. But you know, we did when we had Louis Vuitton, um, you know, with True Damage last year, right? Like it was one of those where you know co-designing an outfit. So like people love the the skins from our game and to co-design a skin with their designer, and so that it had a really dope looking skin. I, you know, co-designed by Riot and, and Louis Vuitton, as well as in our performance, like the visuals that were done, like the weapons that were kind of, but with the Louis um, insignia on everything, like it amplified, it made the performance look dope. And that was super important, right? Like that's why it wasn't just like, hey, Louis Vuitton, you know, going across the screen or any of that. It was more of like, and so for some people, like if you're not really, really, really in tune to Louis Vuitton, there's a chance you could potentially miss it. You just may be like, this looks super dope, Right. And that's actually great, but people, most people do know Louis. Like, wait, that's that's LV. That's oh, this is like LV. But again, they didn't feel like they were being sold or advertised to. It made the performance look better. So, and you can do it without actually spending thousands and thousands of dollars on Louis Vuitton items. <laughs> yeah, especially in the digital world, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's obviously such an important lesson, and I think um, you know, in the podcast, it's been full of important lessons. You know, there's some really, really great advice to take away. From there, for, for, for all industries to learn from the amazing work you guys are doing so well Toa thank you so much for joining us and uh, for sharing the nice. right story with us and you know I'd say to everybody we'll put it in our Facebook group to check out some of the content that uh, your team is making because yeah. it is incredible once again thank you very much Toa and hopefully we'll uh, catch up again soon when the world has changed once again <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you so much sounds good thanks for having me this was, this was a pleasure great chat with you guys Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 